Hello, hello, hello. My name is Ben Garvis. I am the host and creator of the Ben on Politics YouTube series. And welcome to the first ever Ben on Politics podcast. Basically, where we're going to cover content that's just too, uh, big word alert, too longevitous to uh, put into a video and capture people's attention. So I just uh, thought I'd condense it down. And the cool thing about this podcast as I maybe get to have a little bit more character and personality in it. So thanks for tuning in for the first one. Today, the topic is the Donald Trump cabinet, uh, something that I'm sure everyone is incredibly sick of hearing about, but that's what I'm here for, to just pour salt in the wounds and make you listen to the same old drabble over and over and over again. Uh, but the reality of the situation is I hope I bring up some things today that you haven't heard or you can use this as kind of the one-stop shop place to hear all of the stuff at once versus this kind of slow flow of this Trump administration policy to just release things slowly and by the time they announce another ridiculous thing, you've already forgotten what the last ridiculous thing was. So uh, here we go. Um, I'm going to start with some high-level facts because I think some of the most shocking details might be in the trends and tendencies. So looking high level, one of the things I'm sure you've heard about so far is how, let's say, valuable his uh, cabinet appointees are. Let's, let's start uh, back, back three presidents or president-elects. The George W. Bush cabinet at its highest net worth from what was that 2000 through 2008 was less than 400 million dollars so the the total net worth of that cabinet of all the members in his cabinet during that eight years never peaked 400 million dollars president obama went a little bit higher because he did have one commerce secretary that was worth about one and a half billion dollars total cabinet worth was actually less than two billion and then you get to Donald Trump, who is not done appointing his cabinet members, but already has a combined total net worth of his cabinet of or over $14 billion. Um, that's without factoring in his net worth, which is supposedly, and again, no tax releases, but is supposedly in the 4 to $5 billion range, which means that that administration so far is worth about $20 billion. To me, that represents obviously a huge gap between their understanding of what the middle class is and what it actually means to be in the middle class and suffer some of the issues that we're having right now as individuals in the middle class. So that's the first tendency that I kind of am a little bit hesitant about so far in his picks. The other one is his tendency toward individuals that have a strong military background or a tendency toward uh, more militaristic views. George W. Bush had one general in his cabinet, and that was Colin Powell uh, as Secretary of State. President Obama had none in foreign policy-related positions. Now, Donald Trump has named two generals, one, sorry, two former generals, one former lieutenant general, and a Navy SEAL to be in his cabinet, and may still appoint more. Um, Dwight D. Eisenhower 
and we'll get to this later, warned about the military industrial complex and the tendency of, and as an individual who was a Supreme Allied commander, warned against uh, individuals in these leadership positions having militaristic tendencies. So we'll get to that later. Now, who is ready to talk about the individuals themselves? Well, I am. So we'll start with Vice President. Um, just I think it's worth noting some of Mike Pence's tendencies um, and his history and, and a little bit about his job, especially for the individuals who are calling for or hoping that Trump messes up and does something illegal and is impeached. Um, I think it's important for you to also understand the the dangers of Mike Pence on top of that. So the the job of the president, uh, he I'm sorry, the vice president, he presides over the Senate. And in doing that, he acts as a tiebreaker if there's a 50-50 tie. He replaces the president if he or she dies. And along those lines, 14 vice presidents in the U.S., in the history of the United States, have become president. Eight of them due to deaths. Four of them in the immediate next election. And then two in later elections. Some individuals who took office after a resignation of death are Tyler Fillmore, uh, Andrew Johnson, Arthur, Theodore Roosevelt, Coolidge, Truman, Lyndon Johnson, and Ford. So both both Johnsons. But Mike Pence is who Trump named as his vice president. A little bit about Pence. So he just does not have a very positive track record in a lot of the things that are important. Um, he was criticized in 1990 for using his campaign funds to pay personal expenses he never released uh, tax, re tax releases until he was announced for the ticket with Trump. He's very clearly anti-LGBTQ rights. He was largely behind Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which actually gave, and I, it's hard to believe that this actually happened, but it actually gave businesses in Indiana the right to deny service to individuals based on their sexuality, claiming that it was a religious right to deny service. Pence supported the Iraq war and was actually quoted insisting that there was overwhelming evidence of a connection between Al-Qaeda and Iraq, which we know as an absolute fact that never existed. He supports a constitutional amendment banning marriage equality and actually signed a bill that made it okay in Indiana, actually kind of requires in Indiana that same-sex couples applying for marriage licenses can be put in jail. Um, it's legally hazy because the way it sounds is any, any quote-unquote illegitimate couple or illegitimate marriage. To clarify, it is actually legal for gay couples to get married in Indiana, but they technically could also be jailed. Uh, thanks to him. Now, he wanted to take funding from HIV prevention and use it to fund conversion therapy. And for those who are uh, knowledgeable about what conversion therapy is, it is not an okay thing. And it is definitely not um, something that should be allowed in any way, shape, or form, let alone funded by the government. It's a very torturous process. Um, and then 
dollop like you needed more icing on the cake. Uh, Mike Pence actually signed a number of anti-women's choice bills, um, and thankfully a number of them were overturned by federal courts. So that's good, but I think it's just it's a long laundry list of reasons why on top of Donald Trump being a problem, we probably don't don't also want Mike Pence to be an alternative if for some reason um, Donald Trump does something terrible and ends up being kicked out of office. So really quickly, just a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Tablecloths. Tablecloths, they are the only napkin that is not a napkin when people are looking. All right, back to the show. Okay, so in no particular order, uh, we'll, we'll jump right back in. The uh, Treasury Secretary is the main economic advisor to the president. They formulate and recommend economic, financial, and tax policies, um, not just domestically, but abroad. And um, so, interesting fact, the first Treasury Secretary was actually Alexander Hamilton, um, who would probably be just turning in his grave a little bit right now. Um, So the appointee that Donald Trump has nominated is an individual named Steven Mnuchin, who on the grand scale of, uh, of net worth in his cabinet isn't one of the richest. He is worth about $40 million. He made it as a Wall Street banker and Hollywood investor. He spent 17 years at Goldman Sachs, his father was actually a legendary banker at Goldman Sachs for more than 30 years. And I, I find it so interesting that Donald Trump would name somebody for any cabinet position that's related to one of the big banks of Wall Street. Uh, a quote that Trump said about Ted Cruz during the primaries Uh, when he was trying to shoot down Cruz and even Hillary for their affiliations with Wall Street. Um, This is what Trump said about Cruz. I knew the guys at Goldman Sachs. They have total control over him, just like they have total control over Hillary Clinton. And that's a quote from Trump uh, bad-mouthing somebody for affiliation with Goldman Sachs. So it's just really interesting. He would appoint somebody from Goldman Sachs. Now, Mnuchin also was a part of a group that purchased a failing bank during the recession called IndyMac uh, and then profiteered off of a ton of foreclosures and then sold the bank years later for about twice as much as they bought it for. Just, just an all around, and this is sarcasm, stand up citizen. Um, when it comes to capitalizing on people's misfortune. All right, so let's um, let's roll the dice. It looks like we have the Secretary of Defense next. So the, secondary, so the Secretary of Defense is the second in command of the U.S. Armed Forces. The position was really designed to guarantee a level of civilian control over the military to make sure that we're keeping the voters in mind more than the military in mind. So the role actually requires somebody not be appointed to the position unless they are at least seven years removed from any active military duty. Um, That being said, Trump has appointed an individual named James Mattis, who has the unfortunate nickname of Mad Dog. And I don't know if somebody named Mad Dog has any business being the civilian leader of our military. 
let alone the fact that he actually has not been separated from active duty long enough to even qualify. So he will, in order to be confirmed, need what's called a congressional waiver to escape the limit on recent military history. I honestly think that if there was a fight that Democrats could pick in the nomination and approval of the cabinet, I think they could, if they weren't totally against the idea of Mattis assuming this role, probably use this as some leverage to decline or fight some of the other nominations that Trump has made. I don't want to detract detract from 40 plus years of military service that Mattis has. So first of all, thank you, sir, for that. Beyond that, I don't have many great things to say about you. Uh, Mattis was actually cited by the Obama administration as being too eager for confrontation. Um, You can obviously see that in his nickname. He was quoted as saying that the U.S. is is suffering from what he calls strategic atrophy. And this is where things come full circle. So Eisenhower, who, mind you, actually was a Republican and a former Supreme Allied commander, warned, and this is a direct quote, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by military industrial complex, which is pretty much exactly what James Mattis is. During the short time that he has been separated from the military, he has made uh, almost a million dollars as a defense contractor. Uh, He was paid about $600,000 as an independent contractor for a defense company named General Dynamics and actually has currently more than $900,000 worth of stock. So I don't know what it takes for you to deem something a conflict of interest, but that sounds like one to me. And really, he's going to shape the next generation of the effort against the Islamic State. And some of the things that are, are facing the military in the coming years is things like continued integration of women into combat roles. Mattis has been adamant that he does not believe women should fill these roles and has actually been quoted saying that PTSD is an imaginary disorder. One of the other things he may have to face is the continuation of an effort to allow transgender people people to serve openly. And Mattis has actually said specifically that allowing transgender individuals to serve openly weakens the military so just all around a pick that doesn't really encompass anything inclusive or uh, peace faring and and i think that should be a concern of the american people Uh, let's let's go ahead and jump over to attorney general the attorney general heads the department of justice or the doj They handle all of the legal affairs of the U.S. They are the chief of law enforcement, so think of them as the the higher up of the police forces. Um, They serve as the chief lawyer of the U.S. government. And they're really actually the only cabinet member that doesn't have secretary in the title. Uh, Probably one of the more famous attorneys general would be Bobby Kennedy, who served as the attorney general for his brother, John F. Kennedy. The pick that... Donald Trump has made for the attorney general as an individual named Jeff Sessions. Um, Full name is actually, and I don't want to be like a third grader in (laughs) 
on a playground making fun of somebody for their name, but his his full name uh, just sounds kind of like his beliefs. His name is Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. Um, His net worth, again, isn't one of the higher ones on this cabinet. Um, He's worth about $16 million. Anybody who's been around for a couple of years knows that name because he was actually nominated for a federal judgeship um, in 1986, but was promptly, well, not promptly, after a long um, confirmation hearing was rejected by Congress because of some racially charged actions and comments that he made. Colleagues testified in that hearing that he actively used the N-word and often joked about the KKK. Um, One of the the jokes that he uh, used about the KKK was saying that the Ku Klux Klan was okay and he was okay with them until he found out that they smoked weed, which is tasteless. And when we have a police force that is struggling so much right now with shootings and the Black Lives Matter movement and the race relations, I think maybe putting an individual who makes light of the KKK may not be a great choice. As a senator, he's actually opposed nearly every single immigration bill that's been put before him for two decades now. He's definitely against illegal immigration, but he's actually come out and said he's also against legal immigration. He wants to just cut down on anybody coming into the country, whether legal or illegal. He's a climate change skeptic, and if you didn't notice from the KKK joke, he is absolutely against the legalization of marijuana. So that will absolutely be a war that's coming up soon which means that we could potentially lose all of the taxable income that has come out of the boom of that industry. And if we're going to talk about uh, taxable income, why don't we jump over to the Commerce Secretary? Um, The Commerce basically um, fosters, promotes, and develops foreign and domestic commerce. Uh, One of the more famous individuals that has been a Commerce Secretary would be President Herbert Hoover. The choice that Donald Trump has made for that role is an individual named Wilbur Ross, who is absolutely one of the more wealthy individuals on this cabinet. His net worth is estimated to be between $2.5 and $2.9 billion. Um, He made that as an investment banker with deep ties to some industries like steel and coal, which are both notably dying industries. I think Trump hopes that it's a possibility that he would be the individual that would know how to bring these industries back. I would say that you can't bring an industry back if just the fact is there is no more demand for them. Interestingly enough, Wilbur Ross acted as a legal advisor to Trump through his Taj Mahal bankruptcy process. So you see some history there. Another interesting fact about these picks is he's actually picked a deputy secretary named Todd Ricketts, who is from one of the richest families in America. He's personally worth over a billion dollars, but it's actually estimated his family is worth over $5.3 billion. Now that's 
uh, $5.3 billion that isn't included in the $14 billion that uh, Trump's cabinet is worth estimated combined. So just just all around a couple of uh, rich individuals that are pretty detached from from the realities of, of life here. Um, let me jump over to health and human services. So they are the chief advisor on anything health and welfare and income security programs. They actually oversee 11 different agencies from the FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration, the CDC, which handles diseases, National Institute of Health, the ACF, the CMS, um, etc. The pick on that is an individual named Tom Price, who openly opposes the ACA or Affordable Care Act, which covers tens of millions of elderly, disabled, and low-income Americans. He actively opposes women's health rights, has tried to strip funding for Planned Parenthood, remove the Medicaid expansion from 31 states, and removing something like the Affordable Care Act would actually allow insurance companies to no longer cover things like maternity care or prescription drugs or birth control. Okay, so we're a little bit past the halfway point. Do you guys need me to stop and do a song or dance or anything to just break up some monotony? Uh, no? Okay, well then let's, um, let's, let's talk about something possibly positive. The Secretary of Transportation oversees things like the Federal Aviation Administration, the FHA, and the NHTSA. They oversee and develop and coordinate policies providing efficient and economical national transportation system. And the pick that Trump has made for that is an individual named Elaine Chow, who I would say is probably the most qualified individual on this cabinet. She is the wife of um, the Senate, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, which doesn't make me like her, but uh, was actually a former Secretary of Labor and Deputy Secretary of Transportation. So she absolutely has experience as a head of a department. There is definitely worry on my end about the possible conflict of interest with her husband McConnell because uh, he would be an individual with a large say over whether or not things get passed or funded by Congress. So that's absolutely a concern. Um, now, one of the bigger worries of mine, because I am such a proponent of education, would be Trump's education secretary choice. So the Secretary of Education proposes and executes legislation that deals with federal influence over education policy in the individual states. The choice that Trump made is the absolute uh, richest individual in his cabinet, and that's Betsy DeVos, who is not an educator or an education leader. She's really not an expert in curriculum or school governance. She actually has no relevant credentials or experience at all setting standards or, or funding or guiding funding for the nation's public schools. In 2001, she actually said that education reform is the way to, and here's the quote, advance God's kingdom. 
she believes in a voucher program. Now, a voucher program is the idea of using public funds to pay for private schools. It's something she was very active with when it came to her home state of Michigan. She can just be largely blamed in part for the failed charter school system in Michigan. Most of those charter schools today are underperforming public schools. And I think that's just a terrible indicator of what may come for our next generation being raised in an educational platform that uh, is riddled with underperforming schools, poor curriculum, and curriculum that has science stripped out of it. That's a huge concern. Now, I am running a little bit long, so I'm going to speed it up and just give you some spark notes on some people because the subject matter is just so dense for this episode. Um, so UN ambassador um, is second to the Secretary of State and is usually the primary face of America to the world and represents our interests at the UN Security Council. Um, Trump's pick for that is an individual named Nikki Haley, who is the governor uh, of South Carolina up until the point where she is um, confirmed. It's typically not a cabinet position under a Republican administration, and I don't know if it was named as one because the Trump administration just didn't know better, but she has absolutely no foreign policy experience. I know people are adamant that she's an incredibly smart person that can handle the job. Um, that's not my concern. My concern is that there are hundreds of people that are better qualified for the job, and yet he chose somebody whose only experience is state-level government. Talking about unqualified people. The Secretary of Housing and Urban Development oversees fair housing laws and development of affordable housing and making sure that individuals have access to mortgage insurance. For some reason, neurosurgeon Ben Carson is now in charge of that. He has no urban development experience. Uh, everyone, you'd know him as a former presidential cabinet. Earlier, it was rumored that he may end up being our Secretary of Health and Human Services, at which point one of his representatives was quoted saying that Dr. Carson actually doesn't have experience required to run a government agency, which is interesting because now he is attached to this one. It wasn't clear until this week that he had accepted the offer, but now it looks like he has. Jumping to probably the most visible role as the Secretary of State, which was announced this week. That individual is kind of the head of U.S. foreign policy. They're basically the prime advisor to the president regarding um, U.S. policies, including the appointment of diplomatic representatives to other nations. They'll also accept or dismiss representatives from other nations. Let's say you accept or you decline the appointment from uh, let's say, Great Britain for who their ambassador would be. They participate in high-level negotiations with other countries. There have been a ton of famous secretaries of state, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, John Quincy Adams, Martin Van Buren, James Buchanan. Oddly enough, they also, for some reason, have some interesting names, like we've had a fish and a bacon that were secretaries of state. The choice that Trump has made for that role is an individual named Rex Tillerson, whose estimated net worth is about $150 million. 
If the name sounds familiar, it's because he's the CEO of ExxonMobil. So we know what that probably means for our policies regarding oil. There are a lot of people commenting right now on his ties to Russia. At the same point, it's kind of not surprising. It just seems to be the trend right now that Trump is being so promotional of our relationship with Vladimir Putin and Russia. Individuals on the Republican side, like Marco Rubio, John McCain, and Lindsey Graham, have all voiced concerns about this pick. McCain actually stated publicly on NPR that, and this is a quote, he's concerned about what kind of business we do with a butcher, a murderer, and a thug, which is exactly what Vladimir Putin is. And hey, those are words from a Republican on a Republican cabinet choice. Zipping right along, Secretary of Interior is Ryan Zinke, who's a former naval SEAL, so there's your military involvement. He did actually study geology at the University of Oregon, which is great. So he is more pro-energy and therefore probably not pro-environment. He really believes regulation of emissions and environmental testing. Um, And that obviously means that he's more in line for things like pro-Keystone Pipeline activities. The Secretary of Labor, Andrew Pudzer, uh, is a huge opponent of a fair living wage. He is an executive at the Hardys and Carl Jr., the the company that owns those franchises. Um, He absolutely detests paid sick leave. And the president of the AFL-CIO actually said that Mr. Pudzer was a man whose business record is defined by fighting against working people. And that's, that's our Secretary of Labor now, um, should he get confirmed. Now, uh, another thing that just came out yesterday is that Rick Perry was announced as the Secretary of Energy. He and you guys are probably sick of hearing it over and over again right now at this point, but Rick Perry famously a couple of years ago forgot that it was even an agency. He ran on a presidential platform against the Department of Commerce, Education, and what we're now calling OOPS, which is the Secretary, the Department of Energy, which he now heads. So um, I think the idea here is that he will probably cut that down to... Uh, a non-functional agency and it's not like the EPA itself has any resources right now compared to what it needs. One other one, the Secretary of Homeland Security was named as John Kelly, who is another one of those formal generals. He is so pro-closing borders and preventing any immigration that it's just not even funny. Um, I'm sorry that I had to rush the end of this first podcast, but again, this is so incredibly information rich. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Ben Garvis. You can catch me weekly on my YouTube channel, which is Ben on Politics TV, or if you just search for Ben on Politics, you'll find me on there. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you again soon.